Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. What fears and worries are keeping your kids up at night? It might not be what you think. Join me for today's show as we talk about the socializing influences that are plaguing the next generation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, a lifelong homeschooling parent, author, and president of Chula Vista Christian University, a four-year university that centers on mentor-driven, Bible-based, debt-free higher education. Visit us at cvcu.us to see how we are taking back education for the next generation. If you're new to the show, be sure to scroll back on my podcast for some tips on breaking free from the toxic traits of traditional education and establishing habits of the home and heart that will reset your family and your organizational culture. Church leaders, if you have a church campus sitting open during the week, you can play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation. Just go to academicrescuemission.com and click the Start an Academy tab. We can have your academic rescue mission up and running at any church in the U.S. in just four weeks. Parents, we have three levels of support for you. Church-based support classes, our annual conference, and our Socratic mentor-driven debt-free college programs. You can earn your bachelor's degree in political science, engineering, psychology, pre-med, education, entrepreneurship, communication, and more. And check it out. We have grad school programs coming soon. Get all the details at cvcu.us. And be sure to join us on April 16th for our next visit day experience. You can RSVP at cvcu.us. That's Chula Vista Christian University. The Wall Street Journal recently released a study on China's attempt to come back from its dramatic population decline. The Chinese population, which now hovers at 1.4 billion, is expected to drop to half a billion by 2100, but many young women are saying no to being a mom. After decades of being programmed not to have children, they've come to believe that children are not worth the sacrifice of their own time and energy. These young girls have been socialized for so long that they eventually reach the point of cultural no return. Their natural desire to marry, to carry a child, to raise a family has been supplanted by a government mandate. It's a sweeping socialization that has so deeply impacted implanted itself on the next generation's worldview that no amount of convincing or incentivizing will bring them back, barring a miracle. And you guessed it, there's a parallel for us. America's kids are in danger of the same socialization. After decades of being saturated by the IV drip of indoctrination in public schools, America's youth are facing a point of no return. Their worldview is growing more anti-faith, more anti-family by the year. And it is time for us to step in and speak up as believers. Across the United States, parents and pastors are recognizing that this is a solvable problem if we act now. You know, if I was on the Heidi St. John show last week, if you didn't catch that episode, jump in and listen. And we were just talking about how incredibly solvable this problem is. We don't have to throw our hands up in despair. We can step in and be agents of change. My friends in Florida are a, a beautiful case in point here. They started to notice a trend in their kids who were coming home from 
from their local public school in the Bible Belt, I might add, with increasing levels of fear over what seemed to be really insignificant, not definitely not trauma-inducing topics or actions, but Things like the kids would panic when anybody ran the shower too long. They'd stress out if mom or dad let the water run unabated while brushing their teeth. And one day mom asked her youngest son why he was so worried. And he said, mom, and his little eyes welled up with tears. And he said, we're going to run out of water. There isn't enough water for everyone. Their mom obviously assured her, her son that there's plenty of water. God had built the earth, built into the earth a natural recycling process that literally reclaims water from the ground to the sky. She reminded him that no new water had been created nor has been needed to be created since the dawn of the universe because God's provision is perfect. Somebody needs to hear that right now. But her son was totally unconvinced. She would explain it again and again. And like many parents, the pastors thought that these few simple conversations with their kids would open their eyes to the truth. But the root of indoctrination had wound itself around the hearts of their their children, around their hearts, their minds, their emotions. And every argument at home would be countered with, but mom, my teacher said it's true. It was the same refrain echoed again and again. My teacher said it's true. The root of fear, the teacher's authority in all matters had already been well established in their little hearts, even in the early childhood years. Remember our favorite quote, parents, who is teaching the children and what are they being taught? These sweet, innocent kids were coming home from school, literally terrified of turning on the tap water. Their mother immediately discerned the root of the fruit. The public school system was indoctrinating her children with a spirit of fear. The teachers were warning them over and over that the earth was going to run out of resources. And a classroom of kids were coming home paralyzed with anxiety about the future of their world. They couldn't think logically through the lens of faith to see God's provision and protection. Instead, they were they were gripped with terror and their impressionable little minds and hearts were really paralyzed. And looking into the eyes of their worried children, these pastors recognized the deception and they decided to do something about it. They stood up, they took action by opening the doors of their church to the community and reclaiming students from the secular state education system. This freed their own kids from public school indoctrination and it impacted their city for now over two decades. As adults, of course, you and I know that the God who created the heavens and the earth also created the resources to sustain the heavens and the earth. In fact, the creation scientists at Fourth Day Alliance have shown that we could fit the entirety of the earth's living population into one single state. All 8.1 billion of the world's men, women, and children could fit in their own 1,000 square foot home across the 267,339 square foot state of Texas, which would leave the entire country, the entire planet completely void. The entire living population of the world can be housed in one single state. The world is not overpopulated. We're not running out of resources. Yes, some cities are overpopulated, but the world itself is not overpopulated. However, this is still one of the fear-driven models of teaching in the public system. And it's even more pressing and overtly influential today than it was 20 years ago. Fear has been the controlling force in school systems for generations. And more recently, it's also been the driving force for parents to keep their kids in school, in schools that they know are broken and harmful. Fear is a terrible master. And most of the parents who come to us wanting help with breaking their kids free of public school indoctrination centers are gripped with one singular emotion, fear. 
They don't feel capable. They don't feel qualified. They don't feel equipped. All lies. They fear that they won't have the resources, the intelligence, the patience, the organization, the know-how. They've been trained in the expert culture, conditioned to believe that they are at the core simply not good enough. This is a root of fear of insecurity. And it's so important that we understand fear in both its physiological and its spiritual implications. Fear is a manipulative emotion that keeps people shackled. It keeps them living under what God has called them to live over. And it's where we not we we find ourselves right now in this age of anxiety. I can recognize this very well because I spent the first two decades of my life struggling with anxiety, depression, and PTSD. You guys know the story. I was still afraid of the dark when I was a freshman in college. Fear was an intrinsic part of my worldview from childhood to young adulthood. In fact, when I was a little girl, I was completely convinced that there was someone hiding under my bed with a long sword, just waiting until I fell asleep to thrust the sword through the mattress and kill me. I would practice my track and field long jump skills by leaping onto the bed from two feet away so that the imaginary intruder couldn't grab me by the ankles. Now, once I made it safely to the surface, I would cover my head with a blanket because apparently A blanket over your head makes you impervious to sword-induced injury. But one night, as I was lying there trying to fall asleep, I suddenly had this realization that for a sword to get through the mattress and injure me, it would have to be so long that it actually wouldn't be able to fit under the bed. Aha! It was this moment of epiphany in my prepubescent brain. And armed with that tiny grain of logical evidence, I was able to talk myself out of that irrational fear and start climbing up onto the bed like a normal human being. If you've ever dealt with fear, you know that it causes a variety of human responses, and many of them are irrational. A mindset of fear can cause people to lash out unreasonably. It can cause people to withdraw completely from human contact. It can cause people to become hypervigilant or suspicious of everyone, or even just plain mean-spirited. Many of the fear-based arguments blazing across social media today quickly disintegrate into the adulthood version of name-calling and ad hominem fallacies that try to defame the person and their conversations that are often devoid of logic, but fueled by fear. This is why at Chula Vista Christian University, we make opportunities to talk about what's really going on in the next generation. It's why we have classes like marriage, family, and attachment that help students understand God's design for friendship and marriage, how to heal from wounds of the past. It's why we tackle tough topics in chapel and why we help students build meaningful relationships with peers and professors. Because fear and anxiety are some of the key emotional responses gripping the minds and hearts of the youngest generations today, let's take a moment to unpack their causes, their effects, and their impact on the body and brain for all of us. From a physiological perspective, fear has a number of negative effects on our biology and our neurology. Fear hijacks our emotional response system, which is what causes people to become irrational when they're fearful. It damages the hippocampus and impairs long-term memory formation. It impacts our ability even to regulate emotion in general. A study by the Pacific Lutheran University School of Nursing showed that chronic fear can cause immune system and hormone system disruption. It can cause nervous system changes, sleep changes, eating disorders, headaches, chronic pain, difficulty breathing. Fear can also be 
extraordinary debilitating from an emotional perspective as well. Dr. Mary Mahler, who's the director of psychiatric services at Northwest Center for Integrated Health, says that emotional impairments from fear can include learned helplessness, phobic anxiety, mood swings, and obsessive compulsive thoughts and an ability, inability to experience feelings of love. That's super concerning. You know, that last offshoot, that inability to experience love is of significant concern in a generation where this paralyzing idealism and the fear of commitment often are keeping young people from marrying until later and later. And many talking about just like our, the Chinese study, not wanting to get married, not wanting to have kids. This is actually the subject of my next book, The Bachelor Epidemic, Confronting the Rise of Artificial Attachment which I'm co-writing with brilliant marriage and family therapist and CVCU culture shaper, Professor Brian Ricewig, who's doing tremendous work in San Diego County. Stay tuned for some upcoming interviews on this very important topic and what you can do as a parent to help your kids and your grandkids develop a healthy view of committed relationships in a fractured world. Because just as we're seeing the socialized decline of childbearing in young Chinese women, we're seeing that same attack on the institution of marriage right here in America. According to the U.S. Census report on marriage medians from 1890 to present, the average age of marriage for women has gone from 20 in the 1950s, the 60s, the 70s to age 25 in 2000, age 27 in 2010, and age 29 now. While there are obviously a lot of reasons for the delay, fear of commitment is a known causative factor. And the delay affects everything. It affects our birth rate, our fertility decreases with age. It affects what I call the bachelor habit formation, which makes long-term relationships more difficult to sustain because people become more self-serving, more narcissistic. Young adults need to be trained in a family, not by living with a group of other bachelors as they await the the continually delayed cultural onset of marriage. I mean, then the biblical worldview, a child goes from the covering of his or her parents to the covering of a spouse. There's no in-between stage where we're just, uh, you know, just like in the peer-to-parent culture where, where kids are just being trained by peers who are just as unhealthy mentally as they might be. How did these ideas of delay get implanted in the brain collective? Well, in the social sciences, there's this term called mean and scary worldview, really fascinating phenomenon that happens in the brain of someone who has a high viewing rate of screen time, high being defined as over two hours of screen time today. And let's remember the sobering reality that most teens are ingesting well over two hours a day of screen time, more like eight, 10, 12. I've even heard some saying 16 hours a day of screen time. Insane. I know the viewing habit causes people to see the world as a more dangerous place than it really is, which means they become more fearful, more suspicious, less trusting of other people in general. And when we hyper the danger of something in our mind, we don't respond logically. Jumping across the room to avoid a sword-bearing, under-the-bed-dwelling boogeyman is a case in point. Make sense? Fear actually drives our response to the world by creating a view of reality. A study at the University of Minnesota found that fear can interrupt the neural process that helps us regulate emotions and read nonverbal cues. So instead of having a normal emotion or reading someone's nonverbal response correctly, our brains respond through the lens of fear, which means we're more likely to be impulsive and hyper-reactive to situations. Fear also affects our digestion, our autonomic bodily responses. The body re- devotes all of its energy to fighting off that perceived threat, whether it's real or imagined. And like, and chronic fear causes 
panicked parents in their search for educational options to to drop out because they're fearful. And it, it also, as a, in a really fascinating study, impacts our memories of our experiences. So sometimes parents think their own experience of schooling was even more positive, was more positive than it really was because of the way that we look at the past and the present when we're in a fear-induced state. Our brain is dependent on certain chemical states to retrieve memories and fear can impact our recall of and our storage of memories. This chemical change caused by, by, by this, uh, this fear that's rooted in our hearts can actually distort our memory and our perception of reality. Fear impacts our behavioral, autonomic, endocrine, cognitive, even our interpersonal responses. As author Gary Chapman once said, Emotions like fear are designed to be visitors, not permanent residents in the human heart. What we feed on grows. And so if 90% of our conversations in our head are focused on fear, and if we fail to balance that with conversations founded in rationalism, that is a breeding ground for a fearful worldview. And this worldview affects more than just the individual. It's like a virus. It's a belief and behavior that's transmitted from one individual to another. It's contagious. If we don't start to assess and address these problematic paradigms, we will pass them on to our children, our families, our friends, those who are in our realm of influence. Fear can drive us to be hypervigilant, constantly worried, constantly obsessed. Harvard professor Steve Pinker says that the exposure to fear can cause us to become miscalibrated. A relentless consumption of negativity, it makes us fatalistic, gloomy, desensitized, anxious, even hostile because it creates a mindset. It creates a working model that, um, that sets us up for pessimism. It creates a pervasive worldview, a lens, a mindset. Bester van der Kolk describes it as a misinterpretation of innocuous stimuli as potential threats, a worldview of fear and defensiveness where we'd be better served by healthier responses like trust and hope and openness. And this is such a great reminder for us to discipline ourselves, not to dwell on the negative, but to think as Philippians 4 reminds us on what is true, what is honest, what is just, what is pure, lovely, virtuous, praise worthy of good report, the lack of fully present mature adult role models for the next generation has dramatically inhibited their ability to stay calm and respond well. They've been raised more by peers than by parents. And these irrational responses have been con conditioned culturally by the ongoing presence of both their physical emotionally immature peers and also their screen peers. Remember 65% of the day, 65% of their relationships, their conversations with their peers are online on a screen. And we have become this nation of overreactors who literally thrive on conflict, who thrive on being stressed out. I mean, this is crazy. This is crazy. If we remind ourselves what fear-induced stress does to our brain, our body, we can see the danger and we can see the preventative ability that we have to protect ourselves from that danger. Other than in a, a state that protects us from potential harm, fear should not be residing in our hearts and our homes and our, in our country. It's a terrible master. So what can we do to start walking in a new normal, a faith normal? For families, it starts with parents leading the way, recognizing our own habitual patterns and teaching the next generation the art of freedom from fear. It starts with parents, pastors stepping up like our Floridian friends did, becoming agents of change and rescuing their children from fear-based education systems that are training up a generation of fear-based protégés. 
Because of its refusal to acknowledge biblical truth, the secular humanist education system can never accurately assess or address the spirit of fear. It can't. The best the world can offer is a non-Christian clinical approach that assigns problems without cures and offers only Band-Aid approaches. But there is good news. There are many, many scientifically and scripturally proven ways we can deal with these issues effectively. And what it means is that we must fit our lives and our expectations into the word of God and not the other way around. His word is a lens through which we're going to view both our definitions and our solutions. And we're going to talk more about this in part two of this show next week. Stay tuned. We all know that traditional education is broken beyond repair. And instead of training up joyful, creative, faith-filled scholars, our government education system is churning out atheist armies. This is the most anxious, depressed atheist generation in the history of our nation. Parents and grandparents, as you are considering your scholastic options for the coming year, there are so many choices available to you once you step off the big yellow prison bus. Our local answer to the global crisis in education is Chula Vista Christian University. Through our inquiry-based model, we are literally watching the culture shift Parents and students, you can join us on campus for our next visit day, April 16th, where you'll experience our inquiry-based, mentor-driven model of higher education in person. CVCU is debt-free, faith-based support that's not yoked to a woke government system. You can learn more about that at cvcu.us. Classes start soon, so join us. Pastors and church leaders, I'm calling on churches across the United States to be part of the solution. Pastors, you can go to ARM, the academic rescue mission at academicrescuemission.com to arm your congregation against pagan indoctrination. Don't forget to check out my latest book on the 12 toxic traits of traditional education, Outsourced, Why America's Kids Need an Education Revolution, is available in print and on Kindle. And of course, you can find all my blogs, books, and podcasts on the homepage at cvcu.us. Again, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me on today's show. I'll be back next week with more tips and tools of the trade. We will see you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Nunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.